In the Perspectrum podcast, we discuss controversial topics. Outside of this context, Michael and I are both working professionals. While doing this show, we are not acting as agents or representatives of our respective institutions. And none of the views that we express reflect the outlooks of our employers. So don't come to my office and throw toilet paper at me. And I don't have an office, but don't come to my cube. Welcome to the Respectrum. I'm Michael Bloom. And that silence you hear is the lack of Nathan Silo. Because of life's craziness, uh, Nathan was unable to hop onto the pod tonight, which in some ways is pretty fine. Because here on the Respectrum, we want to talk about things with information and nuance and add to the conversation. Um, and right now, there's so much flying around out there that it's hard to know what we would say that hasn't already been said. But for those who would like our perspective, um, I'm planning to do a truncated episode, um, just me, talking a little bit about uh, where we are um, in the state, where we are in the House, Senate, and presidential elections, what we think is going to happen. And we're going to put this episode out, obviously, before uh, those um, predictions are talking about the past rather than the future. Um, and so, yeah, tonight it's just going to be me, and I'll be talking about the election. To start off, though, as usual, I will be giving you an update on the COVID numbers. So at this point, worldwide, we've had 48.4 million people who've contracted COVID which is up from 44.7 million last week, which is an 8% increase in total cases. That means that in one week, 3.7 million more people got sick with this disease. So far, 1.23 million people have died, which is up from 1.18 million last week, which is a 4.2% increase in total deaths in one week. In the US, a total of 9.8 million people have contracted the disease, which is up from 9.1 million last week, or a 7.7% increase in total cases, which is about 700,000 more sick people in one week. At this point, we've had 240,000 deaths, which is up from 233,000 last week. So that's nearly 7,000 more people dead since our last episode which is about a 3% increase in total deaths. That is 1,000 deaths a day. On a per-day basis, that's more U.S. deaths than in any war in American history. At this rate, by the end of the year, COVID will have killed more Americans in a single year than the entirety of World War II. Let that sink in. Our bloodiest conflicts can't compare to COVID. And yet, our current president calls it no big deal, says we're rounding the corner. And that's why we're going to try to make sure he's not our current president uh, in, the, in the coming year. So with that, we'll move on to talking about the election. So I'll start off by talking about the House. The Democrats obviously were expected to keep a majority in the House and we're thinking that they'd probably gain some ground. Um, it looks like, obviously, they'll keep a majority for sure, but 
actually gaining seats. Um, well, it's not nearly going as well as Democrats were hoping. So according to the New York Times tracker, uh, Democrats have 209 safe seats called, um, while Republicans have 191, with 35 seats not yet called. Um, obviously, in the House, you need a majority of 218 seats, so Democrats are 10 seats away um, from a, a confirmed majority of the House, which looks like a pretty safe bet at this point. But Democrats have only flipped two seats, um, both in North Carolina, while Republicans have flipped eight seats, which means that Republicans have gained a net of six seats in the House. So again, we're seeing a bit of a red uh, shift in the House, um, but not nearly enough to take uh, the pretty sizable majority that the Democrats have. Um, a couple things to call out in the House. So uh, the squad, which uh, I don't actually like that nickname because I think it's trident to be pejorative, but we will use it positively. The squad, um, which is obviously the, the group of uh, progressive women of color that um, was elected the House in a couple of years ago, and consists of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York, Ilan Omar from Minnesota, Ayanna Presley from Massachusetts, and Rashida Tlaib from Michigan, were all reelected to their seats, which is great news. Um, on top of that, Richie Torres and Mondaire Jones were both elected to the House of Representatives, which is significant because they're the first openly gay black men ever elected to the House. So a, a win for representation in the House for sure. Um, as we move on to the Senate, the results are more grim for sure. So we thought that maybe the Senate um, was a toss-up, potentially even you know, leading to a Democratic majority. I think we talked about that when we were doing some predictions um, a couple of months ago. It looks like the hopes for a decisive Democratic victory are slim to none, and the good money looks like it's probably on continued Republican control of the House. So here's why I say that. There are 35 seats that were up for re-election this year. Um, currently, it's safe to call a total of 47 seats in total for the, for the Democrats, um, with a total of 48 seats safely called for the Republicans, and five seats that are too close to call. So those five seats are in Arizona, Alaska, North Carolina, and two in Georgia. Now, the, the Washington Post is forecasting that North Carolina and Alaska will both go to Republicans, which seems like a safe bet. Um, Arizona, on the other hand, um, looks like a pretty safe bet for Democrats um, and is forecasting to go that way. Georgia is much more interesting. Um, so... So in Georgia, none of the candidates for either seat, so there are two seats up for re-election, and none of the candidates have received a majority of their votes uh, to actually receive the seat. So it looks like both seats will likely go to runoff elections for the Senate, which means that Democrats will have another opportunity uh, to go in and pick up potentially two seats, which means that if we get Arizona, which we likely will, and if we're able to pick up those two seats, then we will have a 50-50 split of the Senate, which means that if 
Biden and Kamala Harris win the presidential election. That will land Kamala as the president of the Senate, making her the tie-breaking vote, which is a sigh of relief for sure if we're actually able to pull that out. Now, again, that's dependent on, on taking both seats from, from a Georgia runoff elections. But the issue is that a 50-50 Senate well, ultimately could land, could like enable Democrats to do something, right? We can, we no longer will Mitch McConnell be just keeping bills sitting on his desk instead of bringing them to the floor. It does mean that passing legislation depends on either every Democrat voting together and or gaining some Republican support, which gives a tremendous amount of, of negotiating power and leverage to literally every member of the Senate. You can literally have one defector from apart from the party line and not be able to pass a piece of legislation. So it's, it's going to be challenging um, because it'll, it'll look like a Democratic majority, but it's not a large majority, which means that any legislation which is on the cusp of popularity with the Democratic Party, read particularly progressive legislation, could be really hard to get through, which means that we might be sitting with a Senate majority that is able to do some things, but not nearly go as far as we've been pushing on this show. Um, so ultimately, even if we if we eke out this uh, tie-breaking majority in the Senate, we probably won't be where we really want to be and where we need to be, for sure. On the other hand, if the Republicans continue to hold the Senate, it's uh, that's really bad. And we can, we can talk about that some more in another episode. Um, Nathan and I can get into to what that means. But it, it will probably continue to mean for at least two years uh, a stalemate in the Senate. It'll mean that um, as judgeships open, it'll be harder to get them filled. And it will mean that except for executive action, it's going to be really hard to get anything done. So now, on to the big kahuna. <laughs> I'll spend most of my time, now that we've gone through the House and the Senate, which are both really, really important, um, focusing on the presidency. Because obviously, while um, getting through our legislative agenda is really important, which requires the Senate and the House, removing the most dangerous president in modern American history is tant is is absolutely paramount, and so that's what we're hoping to accomplish. So currently, this is where we sit. Depending on what source you look at, Biden is either sitting at two hundred and fifty three to two hundred and sixty four electoral votes. The AP currently has him at two hundred and sixty four electoral votes because they've called Arizona for Biden, which gives him which gives him eleven more. That's compared to Trump's current safe 214 electoral votes. So this means um, that we are between 71 and 60 uh, electoral votes that are remaining to be allocated to one of the parties, 
Now, obviously, as we've talked about some in the past, like none of this stuff is finalized until these elections are certified. And at this point, there's still some outstanding vote, but it's a pretty safe bet that we're between 71 and 60 outstanding electoral votes. And it's been sitting there for about a day, even as we continue to count. Now, we did see a bit of a mini red mirage on election night. So Biden and Trump were both neck and neck when vote, vote counting started. Trump was pulling ahead in some areas and, and falling behind in others. Um, but as we've talked about a fair amount in the past, the Republican vote was biased towards in-person voting, and, mo and those are counted first um, in most states. And uh, the Democratic vote would, would, was more likely to vote um, early or uh, vote from home. And depending on the um, state rules, uh, it, it varies widely when those votes are allowed to be processed and counted. And as we've talked about in the past, all of the anti-fraud controls on absentee and mail-in votes mean that they're much slower to process and um, and count. So in states like Alaska, where you're not allowed to start even processing the ballots until the day of the election, you've got to go through the process of, of going through and validating everything, and then you've got to go back and, and count everything. And so it takes a long time, which is why they're still, still sitting at around 50 to 56% of the vote counted in total. So one thing we do want to be clear on is that, is that currently these models are running on predictive analytics, which is, which is the reason for the blue and red shift. Even, even on the day of the election, as votes are coming in, those are all just being in, uh, those are all inputs to these predictive models that media organizations have built to predict the likely outcome of the election based on all the information we have so far. That's what Trump keeps talking about when he keeps talking about knowing who the president will be on election day. We've never known who the president is going to be on election day. It's never been officially decided. No state certifies an election on the day of the election. That's an illusion. It's an illusion created by these predictive models that are quite good as votes are being counted at telling you, you know, where that state and those electoral votes will end up. The problem is that unless you are manually adjusting for biases in your underlying sample, it will be heavily weighted towards the timing of when those votes come in, which is the whole red mirage thing. So for example, if you were to build a, a model, you would want a perfectly random sample in, in order to represent accurately the probability distribution of a certain outcome, right? So if you were to try to assess the number of kids on a college campus who have red hair, you wouldn't have to go through and count and categorize every kid on the college campus. You would just select a random sample of college kids, and you'd be very, very careful to make that sample random. So you only have to um, count and categorize some of them. However, if you were to count the number of kids with college kids with red hair in a class dedicated to 
uh, studying ancestry of Scottish lineage, you might overrepresent your expected uh, red hair percentage, which is going to bias your sample. And so that's what we're talking about with this red and blue shift. So as these votes are coming in, they are disproportionately representing Republican votes who are more likely to vote in person. And, and every predictive model is being pushed in that direction and is then uh, moving back the other way as we get closer and closer to a full sample because these are not perfectly random. And so one of the things that contributes to that is those idiosyncrasies across districts and voting precincts that I mentioned. Um, and that, that means that not only is um, it not a representative based on how you will vote, but because of when they count votes, throughout, like over time, your sample becomes more representative and less skewed because we know that it is definitely skewed in the red direction earlier on. So all that to say that it is clearly really hard to predict how these things will come out. Um, but we do want to kind of go through kind of where we're sitting right now um, because really there's only a few question marks on the board at this point. So to start off, let's talk about Nevada. So Nevada has six electoral votes, which if um, Biden truly gets all of the states that uh, the Associated Press has called for him, um, that would put him at the 270 mark. So if he were to get Nevada, he'd be at 270 and he would be the next president. Currently, Biden leads uh, Trump 49.4 to 48.5, so less than a 1% lead. Um, at this point, different sources report that between 76 and 89% of the expected vote in Nevada has been counted already, which means that we've got between 24% and 11% of the vote yet to be counted. Um, so if we think that those are um, mail-in votes and, and, if, and if those continue to skew reliably blue, um, that margin could widen um, until the final vote count. They expect to be able to call this election, um, well, they were originally trying to call it by Thursday, um, November 5th, but it's likely that it won't be until November 6th. Um, but there's still definitely plenty of opportunity with that 11 to 24% um, vote counting remaining for it to go to Trump. Because um, right now, Biden is only leading by 11,000 votes in the state. Um, in Arizona, which has 11 electoral votes, so a much bigger target, Biden is currently leading 50.4 to Trump's 48.2, so a more healthy lead of about 3%. In a normal election year, about 80% of ballots in Arizona are, um, are done by mail. Um, so the state is already good at it, and they've been counting ballots since um, October 20th. And currently, we have between 86 and 89% of the total expected valid, uh, ballots already counted. Um, and so we're, we're probably in a better place to say that Arizona um, 
will be going to to Biden, um, especially because the Associated Press has already called um, that for Biden. And currently, he has a 65,000 vote lead here. Um, so as a recap, no, uh, Nevada is leaning Biden. Arizona is almost definitely going Biden. Alaska has three electoral votes, so not that crazy, not that important, um, unless things get really hairy. Uh, Trump is currently leading 62% to Biden's 33.5%, so heavily leading Republican, but they've only got 50 to 56% of the expected vote count counted, which means that, you know, it's a toss-up at this point. Um, And one of the reasons this is the case, as I mentioned, is they weren't allowed to start counting ballots until 8 p.m. on election night. Now, Georgia, as I mentioned a little earlier, is where it gets much more interesting. So so Georgia has 16 electoral votes, and currently Trump is leading, but only by 0.1%. Trump has 49.4% of the vote, and Biden has 493 So clearly this is so far within the recount margin. Um, At this point, they have a lot of the vote counted. So so they have 98 to 99% of the expected vote um, already counted. So the question is, for that remaining 1% to 2%, do we have reason to think that it will lean reliably Democratic? And the answer to that is probably yes, which means that... it might be the case that Georgia could very well go for Biden. Now, I wouldn't make that bet, but importantly, if Biden gets Nevada and Arizona, he doesn't need Georgia. Um, But the reason that we might think it would go Democratic is that um, we've seen that shift so far. Um, So we've seen that as more votes have gotten counted, um, the expected shift in the blue direction has occurred. It's been trending decisively more blue as more votes have been counted. Um, and which is interesting because in in 2016, Trump carried Georgia by 5%, and now he's only leading by 0.1%. And this is partially because we've seen a blue shift in a lot of the more highly populated counties in Georgia compared to the 2016 election. But more importantly, is that you know, Trump is is only has a, an advantage of 3,600 votes over Biden at this point. And the few counties um, that have a sizable amount left to be counted are looking pretty blue. Um, so, for example, Chatham County, um, which is where Savannah is located, has um, an estimated 11,000 more votes to be counted, which is, you know, not that many. Um but compared to Trump's lead and um, the outstanding uh, votes in the rest of the state, that's actually a fair number. And it's, re- it's leaning 58.6% Democratic so far. Now, on the other hand, Floyd County in the western part of the state um, has about an estimated 5,000 more ba- ballots to be counted and is currently leading 70%. So it's really close. But... It's really exciting to me to think that if Biden took Georgia and if the Democrats are able to take both Senate seats, I'd say we can safely say that America is happy to have Georgia again. (laughs) Um, 
Now, last two states. North Carolina has 15 electoral votes. Currently, Trump is at 50.1% compared to Biden's 48.7%, which is a 1.4% lead with about 94 to 95% of the total votes counted. So there are about 300,000 votes left to be counted in the state. And Trump's lead is currently 76,000 votes. So similar to Georgia, a number of the more... um, uh, left-leaning populous areas have are estimated to have uh, a larger number of, of votes left to be counted. Um, but it's going to be really hard to make up a 1.4% lead with only 5 to 6% of the vote remaining. Um, so personally, I think North Carolina is headed to Trumpsville. And finally, Uh, Pennsylvania with 20 electoral votes and is like the white whale for both of these candidates, except unlike Ahab, someone will end up getting Pennsylvania. So right now, officials think there are only 89 to 94% of the total expected vote count already counted, which that's a pretty big margin. 11 to six to 11% of vote uncounted. That's pretty big. Um, and part, partly this is because their laws didn't allow them to start counting ballots until Election Day. And during the June primary, they didn't even start counting mail-in ballots until the day after the primary. And some counties, specifically the more populous, larger counties, uh, did the same thing this time, where they're, they're focused their mail-in ballot counting starting on Wednesday. Um, and so officials there think they'll have the vote fully counted um, by the weekend, which is great, um, but also terribly nerve-wracking. <laughs> um, if the remaining vote is largely mail-in, which is, is hard to tell, um, we could see sh- the, this shift more blue. Um, and we have seen it trending blue as more votes have been counted. So currently, Trump has 49.9% of the vote to Biden's 48.9% of the vote. Uh, which is, a, you know, a one-point lead. But that's down from a four-point lead in Trump's direction last night. So it's been trending more blue. At the same time, as Biden has been catching up on votes, um, Trump has has a 64,000-vote lead in the state. Um, as a reminder, though, Trump won Pennsylvania in 2016 by just 0.7%. So super close call, and he's currently sitting at a a 1% lead. But similar to Georgia and North Carolina, the state, the counties that are are more likely to vote reliably Democratic and are leaning heavily Democratic uh, have some of the the most votes left to be counted. Um, So for example, Delaware County, which is right outside Philadelphia, has 85% of the vote counted, which is not very much considering it's two days after the election, Um, which means that it's got an estimated 50,000 votes remaining and is currently leading 61% Biden. Um, So if those votes are, you know, mail-in votes, then it's likely that this county and and potentially a lot more of the state could go blue, which would be really exciting. It would be awesome if it wasn't just a, a 270 
uh, victory by by Biden. But if he was actually able to get Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, and Pennsylvania, he would be uh, he would just he would sweep. It would be awesome. It'd be really exciting. That being said, he doesn't have to do that. As I mentioned, he just has to get Arizona and Nevada in order to be the next president of the United States. Now, one last thing to note. Predictably, Donald Trump is trying to steal the election. Um, He has filed so far four lawsuits in Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. And they're basically just pushes to get more observation in the, in, in the counting. And um, a couple of them are just are, are pushing to have some questionable ballots reviewed. They're basically totally meritless. They are political moves rather than legal ones. And importantly, they're not the kind of smoking guns of voter fraud um, that Trump is claiming them to be. Um, so as he, he, he tweeted uh, last night, quote, all of the recent Biden-claimed states will be legally challenged by us for voter fraud and state election fraud. Plenty of proof. Just check out the media. We will win America first. Even during the election, he is trying to push for states to be prevented from continuing to count mail-in ballots. He is trying to shut down the vote and win not by getting a majority of votes, but rather by um, throwing out legally authorized ballots submitted before the deadline. He is trying to steal the presidency, which is no surprise. Nor is it a surprise that his vigilante posse of totally dedicated fanatics have been protesting outside counting sites, including chanting, stop the vote, which is like, do they not get how anti-democratic that is? Not, not, not big D democratic, not Democrats, but like against our democracy. They're literally can't stop the vote. It's absolutely crazy. And what's been getting me is like people claiming that if Joe Biden wins, then the election was stolen with the corollary that if Trump wins, then, um, the election was rightfully decided, which is not only does it not have any merit, it poses a logical misunderstanding of how, um, the relationship between a conclusion and the process to get to that conclusion exists. You can't infer from the fact that a 50-50 outcome occurs that the process for arriving by that outcome was biased. You can't do it. If you flip a coin and it lands heads when you wanted to land, land tails, you can't infer from the fact that it landed heads that the coin was somehow rigged or weighted. It is impossible. The outcome is a possible outcome of the process. And as a result, you can infer from that outcome that the process was corrupt. 
And there is literally no evidence that this election has been corrupted by anyone except the Republicans. They have pushed for votes to be thrown out. They have pushed for uh, ballot deadlines uh, to be restricted so that your vote has to not only be mailed but also delivered prior to Election Day. They've pushed for, in Texas, counties with 8 million people, the county that Houston resides in, to have one box for receiving ballots. You'd be waiting in line at that box for as long as you'd be waiting at voter precincts, longer even. In California, the GOP put out fake official ballot drop boxes. The only people that are trying to corrupt this election right in front of us while claiming to have the moral high ground, while claiming that the Democrats are trying to steal the election via fraud, the only people that are trying to steal this election is the GOP. Mm -hmm.